It's a Punk Rock Classrooms podcast, Punk Rock Reflection, with Matt Joseph. Alright, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, happy commute, happy plan time. I am Mike, principal extraordinaire out of Lansing, Illinois. And this is Josh Buckley, a social studies teacher, teacher, wow, from Mesa, Arizona. And we want to welcome you to the Punk Rock Classrooms podcast, where we are all about getting that DIY, that passion, and that unity into the classroom. Yeah, you know what? It's, it's pretty cool if you got a mohawk and you're in the classroom leading kids. You don't have to, though. You don't even have to listen to punk rock. You you know, you can listen to country. You can listen to classical. You can listen to, to hip hop. We are all punks here at the Punk Rock Classrooms podcast. Right. Maybe you're a free form jazz kind of person, and that's okay. No, Kenny G. Right. We're welcoming it's you cool. here to the Punk Rock Classrooms podcast. And, and Mike and I are excited. We've got a guest today. We're going to talk about mentorship. We're going to we're going to hit the big things today with our guest, uh, Matt Joseph. Matt, thank you for being on the show. Oh, I'm psyched to be here. Psyched to listen. Now that I know that we can listen to any type of music, now I'm in. We, we, can, oh, yeah. we can go rock and roll here. <laughs> I like it. So I'm psyched to be here. Thanks for thanks for having me on. I've been seeing you guys ascend through through the last couple of years, and it's been awesome to see where you take this. So I'm just psyched, excited to be here and along for the ride. Dude, yeah. we're excited to have you on. Let's start... We're start. Let's start a little bit. Can you kind of introduce yourself to you know our audience, who you are, what you do in education, and uh, share a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. This is you know I've been in education a long time. I'm almost coming up on like 27 years, and, and and through that time I've been a classroom teacher. I was an elementary teacher for about 11 years, and then I was an elementary principal for an equal amount of time. But um, the last few years I've been a district leader. In my past district, I was a director of digital learning and innovation, and my current role. I am the director of curriculum and instruction and oversee all of the professional develop, the mentoring program, um, and then supporting obviously the curriculum and instructional piece as far as instructional software tools. And just, I also like to get into the classrooms. Anyone who saw some of the posts I had this week was in the first grade classroom. And, and for me, um, I know we joke about the district office being in suits and just the eye in the sky, but if I'm not in the classroom doing what I do and, and seeing what's going on, then, then I don't feel like I'm doing my part. For sure. So uh, where are you at in the, like, where in the country are you at? Well, I, so I am from uh, Massachusetts and I work in Leicester, Massachusetts, which is about 40 miles west of Boston. No traffic. It really nice. borders, nice. it borders Worcester. So <laughs> it's, it's kind of right in the center of Massachusetts. All and right. I've, I've been in Massachusetts my whole career. You know, I was in Western Mass to start in Pittsfield, the great Berkshire County, and then was at Springfield College and then Boston College and then settled here in kind of central eastern mass kind of on the border there all right awesome. very cool awesome. so I, I i also know that you've got you've got a couple books out in the world my man can you share share with some folks what you've what you've written what that looks like for you yeah sure and it really kind of bounces off what i was just sharing about boston college when i had an opportunity to, to go there it was it was a great experience in the doctoral program because it said really follow your passion and when you write your dissertation what's a problem you want to solve and, and as a principal one of the things that I really saw was the job satisfaction of teachers kind of going down the morale. We were kind of really looking at how are we going to make this place a place that people want to drive to. And, and we know as experienced educators in, in, in the field that after about five years, that's when teachers hit their stride. 
So as a principal, I said, what can I do to make sure teachers want to come to school? What are things that I can really bring into school to make that happen, that job satisfaction go up? And in, in the research I, I did, it really came across collaborative communities, a strong mentorship program and, and feeling valued. So I really started to write about that because for me, that's how I learn better. I like to watch people who are exceptional at it. And then I like to conceptualize it and then put it into practice. So I wrote a book called The Power of Us, really talking about creating a collaborative culture in school. What are some ideas to make this a culture of us, that we're all in this together, that we're not in our silos, we're not in the copy room complaining about this one or that one. And in, instead of a us and them mentality, it was it was just an us mentality and we're all in this together. And me as the principal, I wanted to support that. So I wrote it from that lens. Um, and then the second book I wrote was called Modern Mentor because one of the things that I started to see was that you thought of mentorship, you thought it was a first year teacher and the teacher next to them, either right. in the same grade or the one that was as close right. as you can be. And I wanted to talk about, well, mentorship could be anybody in any school if your passion matches that individual that you can support them. I also wrote about peer-to-peer -peer mentorship for veteran teachers and then one of the things we don't talk enough about is your first year as a principal. Because if you think about it, it's the only job, it's the only profession, think about this, it's the only profession that when you excel at one part of your job, you get promoted to do a job that is totally different. Like, it's totally different, right? You, you never look at budgets as a teacher. You don't, you don't get screamed at too often from parents. You don't have to discipline teachers or, and then write great observations. You don't yeah. do anything to prepare you for this job. Oh, they're a great teacher. Make them well, you, principal. But you took a class on it. Isn't that, a, isn't that enough? Yeah, <laughs> sure. I went and sat there and half paid attention. And I thought, that makes me a principal for sure. I even thought that when I got the job, I was laughing because um, we were just, I was actually talking about it tonight with a, with a friend of yours, with, with Christine and, mm -hmm. and, talking about my time starting as a principal and I was like 34 years old in Attleboro and I walk in the first day I'm like I am in over my skis I do not what am I doing here like I'm the <laughs> young kid here and, and but that's what happens you take a class you get the piece of paper and they're like let's go yeah you can do it so I I want to <laughs> I want to drill in on this idea of mentorship right because sure. what we're seeing you know as as an educator is year 15 in the classroom for me this is, you know, this is, you know, the last couple of years, I'm in a, I'm in a state where the per pupil funding is super low, unlike Massachusetts, where we, we don't really spend money on education, but you know, our tax base very low. So, okay. uh, but, but because of, because of that, you talked about like teacher satisfaction and, and mentorship being a part of that. We have a giant teacher shortage. And I, I think part of that is, and, and Mike and I talk about this all the time, this idea of like that crew mentality and having those people that you can lean on and who will support you. And mentorship is part of that. What do you, what do you think, why do you think mentorship, especially in education, whether you mentioned the idea of new teachers and new principals, why do you think that's important? What does that help? What are the problems that that's helping solve, or you see that help solve in your work, or in your, in, you know, in 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 what you view as as this issue of mentorship? Because I think just like anything else, when you start off strong, then you're going to feel empowered. If you come into a profession and feel like you're getting the support you need to start out as a first year teacher, we'll say that you get that foundation, just like building a house, just like building, you know, a band, you want to have that foundation, right? That, that, that's always keeping the beat. That's always really driving the music 
and then the lyrics come in and then the ensemble, the rest of the music comes through. And same with building houses, you want to have that foundation. So when you start a new role, you're already vulnerable. You're already doubting yourself. You're already like, do I belong? And what that mentor, mentor can do for you is build your foundation. And once that foundation's strong, then you can talk about building in lesson planning in, in classroom accommodations and, and building in that culture. But if when, really what I write about in the book is that mentorship is a mindset that anyone in the building can support an, an individual, no matter what their experience is. Because if we're really all rowing together, then when we're supporting that first year teacher, we're supporting that first year mentor, or we're supporting that veteran teacher who's just in a rut, that if we have the mindset that we're here to support each other, what it's going to do is build confidence. You know, one of the things I spoke about at the top today was the third, the third lens of, you know, that for job satisfaction was the, the mentoring, the collaborative community and feeling valued. Yeah. Well, how's a new teacher going to feel valued? Well, a veteran teacher is going to come in and say, here, I'm going to support you. And you know what? Come in and watch me. And when that new teacher fears valued, they're going to start taking risks in their instruction. And then when they start taking risks, they're going to see things that work. And then they're going to get their instructional lens, just like a leader. You know, one of the things I write about in the book is, you know, be the navigator, not the pilot. You want to support the leader, but you never want them to do it like you. Because Mike and I are going to lead a building very differently from our backgrounds, our personalities, things that are important to us. But it doesn't mean we can't both lead effectively in our own lens. Right. So one of the things that you're doing when you're mentoring is not only supporting the, the teacher or the leader, is helping them develop their instructional lens or their leadership lens. Because then once they start to see things, then we see the vision and then there's a direction because you stop working day to day. And when there's that big picture, you feel connection, you feel valued, and we're off to the races. So like, yeah, hearing you talk, I mean, all this, I keep just picturing like this all leads to relationships, right? 100%. A foundation of all, all that you're talking about with mentorship is, is relationships. And the thing I, I like about you, Matt, is you're in this position, like you said, uh, you know, the eye in the sky, you know, the, but you're extremely involved. And I look back at all these things, you know, I see you do. And if you don't follow Matt on social media, you definitely have to, we'll give you, you know, <laughs> he'll, he'll tell you his handles later. But I mean, when, when the pandemic hit, you started the, the RLNs, the remote learning nuggets for your district, yeah, yeah. which you invited me to, to, to be a part of one day. Absolutely. Um, you know, you, you do your, your round tables, you do, you know, the walking ads, just something, you know, a fun thing to, to have people get out, but everything that you do and everything you're talking about, it's for other, it's for others. None of this is for you. Like the remote learning nuggets, like I'm sure you learned a ton and made connections through that process, but you weren't doing it for yourself. You were doing it to help other educators, not even because I believe it was a district, a district initiative. It that started, started as a district PD day. And then it was, then people wanted to join in like, right. what the heck? And you had people from all across, you know, wherever joining yeah. in, you know? So where did this mindset kind of come from? I mean, were you, did you have somebody early in your career that really showed you the power of mentorship and just, just guiding and working with other people? Or was it kind of like the opposite? Did you have that where you're just alone and you had no one and you realized I, I can't let others go through this? Because 
I just think it's amazing what you know your yeah, your, where does that, your that vision drive for, drive that drive for service yeah, come from, I, right? I think uh, I didn't realize I was going on Oprah here because we're going to go back. <laughs> we're going to go deep with this, right? We're the, <laughs> so I, I'm going to talk us, about let us in, Matt. We're just not giving we're, we're just not giving out cars though today. Yeah, how about a book? Um, so I, I, I'd really point to two different places, both had, so I'll talk about as a teacher. So I grew up and it was my mom and my sister and myself, and we grew up just the three of us. And, and similar to what you're saying, it was a little bit isolating and went through, through high school is kind of just, I just want to make it through here. And I went to Springfield college. And as soon as I entered, entered on campus, if you know anything about Springfield college, besides the birthplace of basketball, by the way, um, every freshman walks in, they have a little beanie. I still have mine. If any, if you see any of the pictures in my office, wherever I have it. And for the first five days of the, the semester, all freshmen are together and they're the only ones on the building and there's two leaders. Um, it's called NSO, New Student Orientation. And so for five days, you build this community of new students and I made friends. I, I have friends that I still text today, as of today, that I made in September of 1989 that I met in my NSO group. And you, you built this collection of people and it was an amazing way to enter college for many people who were coming in um, and from different places, from different backgrounds, from different beliefs. And it was just us for a week. And that level of connection to other people. And you had two leaders, essentially. So when I, in the middle of October, when I'm just like, I don't know what tech I'm doing here, I can call one of the two leaders. Like, they were tied to us for the year. And it was like, wow, this really made me feel like I was part of something. And then I actually, because it made such an impression on me, I applied and was an NSO leader for the next three years and just felt cool. like... I felt like a part of something. And then that led me into my teaching. And then in my first part of my teaching career, that's how I tried to um, really model my classroom, model work that I did, model professional development. And then in Boston College, um, I was actually uh, fortunate enough to be in a program through the MASS, which is the Mass Superintendent Association in Boston College. They did a, a group that was breeding their own leaders. So we wrote a collaborative dissertation. So I worked with four or five other people to write a single dissertation where we each took a part. So I looked at job satisfaction through enhancing school culture. Like that was my piece. Yeah. So I learned the power of working it with others, learned the power of, I can't do this as well as you can, you take the lead and then, and vice versa. So those two experiences really led to my kind of my why, which is, you know, turning potential into power, like really empowering other people. And, and that's, for me, that's exciting. Yeah, that, that's one of the things that Mike and I talk a lot about is this idea of like building community, right? Building, we talk about it in that punk rock idea of like the scene, right? Yeah, like yeah. Th this, th you're all in this thing together. You are working together. You're supporting each other. And, and, and when we hear you talk about mentorship and, you know, you being a part of, um, you know, that, that program at college and, and then going through it and then going like, now I'm going to serve the next group of, of students coming through and doing that. I want to, I want to talk really quick to just stay on mentorship for a second. What do you think makes a good mentor? Because you, you said this earlier, the idea is like anybody on the campus can be a mentor. Right. And I don't, yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't need you to go like, and then number one is this and number two is that. <laughs> but like, and, and also you don't have to read the book to, to me, but like, I want to like, what we do don't you want learn? a book reading. Come on. <laughs> what are some of the like, key things. Um, if anybody on that campus can work as a mentor, then what makes that good mentor? What makes good mentorship? I think it's, it starts with that mentor looking in the mirror and saying, 
I want to do something that helps somebody else. And by doing that, I'm going to get better. It's almost a little bit of that blind faith that if I do, you know, talk about some of the things that Mike said, if I do the mentor roundtable and I support other educators, yes, it may not be for me, but I'm going to get something out of it too. I get, you know, for me, I got better at doing digital meetings. I got better at preparing, I got better at speaking on in the camera. So uh, for that mentor to say, how am I going to improve by supporting other people? It's also where sometimes we ask students, well, read that out loud, right? It sounds different or, or practice something. Well, if you're that good of a teacher, you, you can show somebody else. And when you, you know, we ask students to transfer learning, right? When we transfer our educational learning to other people, we then become better because what happens is we articulate it. And then we can say, ooh, it's, I could actually even improve there because I leave my bubble. So it allows an opportunity for teacher leadership and for you to kind of transfer your knowledge and skill. So I think it's that, that individual saying, I'm going to use my talents to support somebody else. How do you, I'm going to follow up with that. How, because some, some teachers, you know, even though they they have no problem being in front of the kids, you know, when it comes to speaking in front of their peers or trying to, you know, work with them, you know, they, they kind of, get their, put their, put their walls up, go into their shell. How do sure. you, like, especially in your role being a, you know, district administrator, um, how do you kind of, when you see, cause I know for me, I mean, I, it doesn't, you don't have to be an administrator. I'm sure Josh sees it too. And, and his colleagues, you know, you see leadership, not even leadership, clouds, just see these, these qualities in somebody, they like, you can help that person out. How do we get people, you know, cause I've got it. We're on my campus. I'll go to certain teachers like, Hey, you know, Josh over there could, is, is kind of struggling with what I just saw you do in your classroom. How, really, you know, can, can, <laughs> can you, you know, spend some time, you know, during lunch or a plan and just kind of help them out with it? You know, and some teachers just, they do that on their own and seek out where they can help others, but some you kind of have to push. Do you, is there a way to ever kind of get it where we can just have everyone doing that like just naturally how, how do we get to that place yeah sure and, and i'm gonna actually i know what you're showing all but i'm gonna say something a little bit different than what you just said that if we have to ask then it's not going to be as impactful right. so we want what we do a terrible job at as educators is saying things we're good at right because mm -hmm. to say these are skills that i have either you're going to look at as you're, you're bragging or someone's going to tell you you're not so, right. Mm -hmm. So it's, how, it's tough to be vulnerable, you know? <laughs> right. So how do we create a space that's okay to be successful? It's yeah. okay to say, I'm, I'm good at this. And I think when you start to do that in your building by how can we showcase what people do well? And then it becomes where if I see five people doing something well that I might need help with, I'm going to go seek them out. And, and then it won't feel like such a, the principal telling me to, to do this or that. And one of the things that, I, you know, I'll share an example we did at one of our staff meetings. And I said, I'm out of here. I'm not going to stay here, but you're going to be in groups of four. You're going to go into each one of, you know, the person's classroom. And the person's going to say five minutes, one thing they really like about their classroom, how they run morning meeting, how they do small groups, that you can brag, go into your room for five minutes and brag. And then we have a share out at the next meeting. And what, what came from that is people started to want to say, oh, I like how you did your morning meeting in kindergarten. Let me try to do that in, in first grade or the fourth grade team was like, wow, I didn't know you wrote essays like that. Like just open it up. 
and say, what do you do well? And, and, and it's, not, it's not an easy transition because whenever a teacher does something well, oh, the kids were great or the lesson was good. Like, right. Oh, you got, you got the good kids. Yes. Or, oh, oh we, you're, you're creative like that, you know. We're, we're really not great at self-promoting for the good way. We see a right. lot of self-promotion on Twitter that is just like, dude, chill out. But right. there, there, there's somewhere it's okay to say, these are things I do well. You know, the, I learned that with the remote learning. Language. You do a wonderful job with the, the video and audio work. I needed help. I needed you to come on to, to help me out in that. Don Goble, I had come on. You know, right. And you talk about Christine comes on and talk about mental health. I can't do that as right. well as somebody else. But we don't. We can't get there until we see other people succeeding. Well, it's like yeah, Josh. Josh and I said that before. I mean, you've got the experts in your own building. I mean, in, in education, they've been saying that forever. You know, somebody right. in down the hallway knows and can do what you want to do. Um, For sure. Yeah, no, that's good. I, I I agree. I think it's almost like making a menu of what think people do well because some people you know, work better with introverts. Some people work better with, you know, outgoing students, like right. find that out. So you can, you know, and I had an amazing assistant, assistant principal where when a second grade girl came down crying, go see Miss White. Like I, it wasn't, it wasn't in my wheelhouse. Cause I'd be like, <laughs> you're fine. You're fine. And she wasn't. So right. like finding what you, yeah. you need help with. And, and I think that works out. So I think, Oh, I was just, I just real quick, I was just say, I think at least what I see on my campus, because, uh, you know, our students are fully remote, but the staff's there, you know, the staff has really, because I, I do these um, highlights and shout outs every week that they anonymously can send me, and just seeing them that they're going to each other on their own right now, because this is all so new, and that, you know, I, I try to look at the good things that have come out of this, I think teachers realizing you know, or being able to admit now, like, okay, we don't have the answers. This is completely new to us. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I need, I need to ask others. Cause, cause when you've been teaching, like Josh been teaching for 15 years, you know, and I know he's very, you know, uh, I know he's a great teacher out of the box, but some, you sometimes <laughs> you, get, you get stuck in those ways. And you're like, I've been doing this for 15 years. I don't need to talk to the, the, the first year teacher you just hired out of college. Like, you know, it's, so I think that's one positive that I hope will will stay when uh, things are back to normal. I don't mean to cut you off, Josh. No, no. I, I think to kind of to kind of sort of maybe to to put a point on this, and and this kind of piggybacks off of the question that Mike asked. But I want to I want to kind of ask it in a different way because I think how do we encourage mentorship? especially when what we see right now is we see, and, and we talk a lot about teacher burnout and we talk about teacher workload and we talk about those things and mentorship can be, can, can seem like, and I don't, I don't want to say that it has to be, but it can feel like, can you do this extra thing? Right? Like yep. here's this, here's this extra piece I need you to do. So how do we encourage that? Because if it's an important thing, if it not only helps the mentor, but our mentee, but also helps the mentor, how do we encourage that when teachers can feel so overwhelmed right now? I think it's, it's, it's about a three-year process. It, it, it's really shifting the culture with your school that this, it becomes almost, you're proud to do it. And, and it's going to look different in, in every school. And, and one of the things that, that I wrote about in, in, in the book is creating a farm system like baseball. Like when you see somebody who's got that ability, get them before you have to ask them. Who's Give them opportunity. Triple A mentor. <laughs> yeah. Like build a mentor pool and, and, and start to build those mentors before you need them. 
And if, and then if you, if you let teachers run staff meetings, if you let teachers run initiatives, if you let teachers lead and have a voice and feel like they have an impact in your school and you teach them up and coach them up and, and then, you know, sprinkle in the leadership skills that they need. When a new teacher is hired, they're going to come to you and say, I'd love to mentor that person. So creating that mentor pool and creating that mindset that this is an important part of the longevity of our school. And this is part of our culture. It's what we do. So it, like it becomes that. ingrained into the work, right? It, it like supporting it's, each other and, and being that person ends up being, that's just what we do here. We help yeah. each other out. It's part of the, it's part of your school's culture. That's what you're saying. I mean, it's. Absolutely. It's part of the, yeah. you know, the infrastructure of how we do this, we succeed because of, of each other. And, and I think that's where people get confused with culture and climate. And, and, and right. I think because they have a good climate, then everything's great, but you switch one little thing or teachers out or the person who's supposed to bring the donuts didn't bring it and someone else didn't pick up the slack. Then like, that's, that's not working. But if you create right. a culture of when you're here, the expectation is that you're supporting each other, then that's a, that's a different mindset. So nice. Matt, yes. that's, that's really great at the principal level, but let's take you up to the level you're at right now, right? You are, you know, you're in charge of, you know, curriculum and instruction. And I assume part of that, at least in our district, mentorship falls under our teaching and learning folks, yep. who is the counterpart to that. How do you then encourage that across campuses, right? Like I, how do you do, how do you encourage that with your leaders instead of your teachers? How do you encourage leaders to make that happen? You weave it into your district improvement goals. Like you weave it into the infrastructure of the umbrella. These are the things that we that are important to us. And if it means taking a year to rewrite your your vision statement, then you bring in teachers, your parents that, you know, Mike said this off the top, it's about building relationships. You know, students are going to learn for somebody, not from somebody. Right. And when you create that atmosphere, no matter what level, and it is, has to start at the top, because if one principal is doing it, and it's, and it's a great culture to school, and it's, it's working well, and the superintendent says, yeah, but the other schools aren't doing it, you're making them look bad, which happens, right? And Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I've so, experienced that in my years. Yeah, I, and, and, and I have too. It's like, I'm not slowing down because other people aren't looking to pick up, I would rather go help them catch up, but I'm not slowing down to let them catch right. up. So Josh, to, to answer your question, the, the superintendent has to model it or, or the director, whatever, whatever that leadership position is, you know, I run the mentoring program. And the first thing I did, which was not really popular, to be honest with you, was to say, we're doing a mentor training day one. And the experienced mentors are like, well, we've been mentors for years. Okay. But our expectation when you're a mentor now and and Lester is this. And I ran a two-day training for them. And it was like, these are great skills that we didn't have. And then other people were like, oh, I'd like to be part of that. And just changing the way it is. And, and not just, you know, just because you're next door or in the same grade or because you've done it three years, that you're going to be a mentor. You have to earn it. And, you know, one of the things that I said as a leader is, I, if I have to mentor everybody, I will. But I'm not going to have people do it just for the stipend. Right. That's Yeah, right. I, I think that right. that's... That's a key piece of it. If, if we just say like there's a stipend for it or there's money attached to it, that doesn't always drive skill towards the, the and it'll task. go to the veteran person because the the so that goes to again the mentor pool having people ready and the yeah. and the leader saying that this is important and you don't have to be in the same building if your skill set matches the need of the new educator, then that's the mentor. 
not the person next to you. Yeah. That's how, that's kind of what, how I've been taking the approach the last few years. You know, when we get a new, a new teacher hired, I don't, when I came to my building, they had a set group of mentors and I was like, well, the team leaders are the mentors. They did the mentor training. And I was like, well, why, why does it have to be the team leaders just because they're the team leaders? So maybe I kind of started not good at that, right? Like well, <laughs> and, maybe, and they're I'm, good at, maybe they're good at listening at a meeting and delivering information, but maybe they're not good at being a mentor. Right. You know? Right. So, so yeah, I've, I've looked at the skill sets of, of our staff and I've gone to other people and kind of said like, Hey, look, you know, I think you would be a great mentor for this new staff member. And, you know, we've had that conversation and every time the person has never said no to me, they're like, Oh no, I think, you know, it's like they've wanted to do it. So it's the punk rock classrooms podcast. It wouldn't be punk rock classrooms. If we didn't ask you, what have you been listening to Matt? It doesn't have to be punk rock. Remember we said that at the beginning. So what have you been listening to? What's, what's been getting you through your day? Well, I won't go down a thread of the, the punk rock piece. And I posted, I think, and even tagged you guys. Been really watching. I watched the the Beastie Boys, you know, the uh-huh. the yeah. documentary. Yeah. And it was, you know, I was a big fan. It was one of my first concerts, the, the Beastie Boys and Public Enemy in Albany, the Albany <laughs> Civic Center. It was awesome back in 1988. Um, and it really brought me back to, to, to that time. But what I really liked about the documentary was, man, were they – they did it their own way. They succeeded mm-hmm. and failed. And no matter how many people said, you're not mainstream enough, they were just like, okay, we're going to be even less. And, <laughs> and, and they did it their own way. And the biggest thing that I took out of that documentary was that they believed in something, no matter if anyone else did or not. And that's when they were at their best, when they did it the way they heard it in their head and they like to sing it they like to and some of their most popular stuff early on wasn't so i've been listening to a lot of that their essentials and just just feeling that because at this time in our profession we have to do things we believe in and sometimes they're they're maybe not in the norm so that's definitely been something i've been listening to recently to kind of bring me back to like yeah i'm gonna do this and i know might not be the most popular thing but i'm gonna gonna keep it going because i'm true to myself that's awesome that's awesome very cool. uh, awesome. So good stuff. Matt, again, thank you so much. Well, thanks yeah, for thank having me, guys. Being here. Where can the people find you online? Um, I think the two easiest places uh, first is Twitter um, at Matthew X Joseph. And in my bio, in theirs, there's a lot of the other ways to find me. If you want to see some of the work that I've done or free resources, go on to mxjspeaker.com. Um, and a lot of the, the free virtual resources, the remote learning, there's tabs up there you can go find it. Those two places. Definitely um, take a look and, and you'll find all, any, anything else. You can't, you can't miss it. Awesome. <laughs> and you can find Mike and I at, on Twitter at Punk Classrooms. You can find me on Twitter at Josh R. Buckley. And then Mike had to go and change his Twitter handle again. So you can find Mike at Mike R. Earnshaw. We just both happen to have That's, the same middle name. Yeah, I was like, I couldn't know. find it. I usually put EDU in and I couldn't find it this week. Yeah, yeah, Mike, so Mike I, I changed it. Up. You can find us on Twitter there. Is your Instagram handle changed or no? My Instagram handle has changed, and I was lucky enough to get it to be Mike R. Earnshaw as well. Oh, man. So you can, nice. you can find us both on Instagram at those same exact ones. Don't forget to check out the website, uh, punkrockclassrooms.com. Mike's got a couple of new blog up. I've got a new blog up. We're talking about uh, some stuff. So you can check out the blogs, all the shows, and the show notes are there. Our playlist, you can go check that out. All that good stuff. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Matt, thank you for being on the show. Thanks, guys. 
Yeah, Super thanks for being here, man. Super stoked to be here with us. Uh, and ladies and gentlemen, we'll see you at the show. At the show.